0: Your, one of your most glorious moments in the sun was when you were advocating for ADUs, was it? And you said, Where are we going to live?
1: hi welcome to infill where we talk housing politics and policy i'm laura foote yimby action
2: i'm sam moss from mission housing
0: and we have two very special guests from berkeley across mm. the bay here today hi i'm Lori Drosty. i represent the elmwood area in addition to the south side in berkeley um i'm happy to be here thank you <laughs> And I'm
3: Rashi Keserwani. I represent what's called District One in Berkeley. So this is essentially the northwest section of town. So we have the North Berkeley BART station, the Fourth Street shops, uh, the historic West Berkeley district, and what's now called the Gilman District, and a lot of business and residential areas.
1: Well, so congratulations on winning! Mm-hmm. Um. Thank
2: you. <laughs> Good job. You think we don't we don't invite losers onto the podcast? Yeah. So. That's
1: not true. We totally do. <laughs> <laughs> You're here.
2: Uh, oh oh God. God! You know you missed one podcast. And it's like you never came.
1: Um, but welcome from Berkeley. Um, thank you. Yes, thank you. For, you came so far, um, and it is true that uh, in San Francisco, I think everywhere in the Bay Area suffers from this like naval gazing, like forgetting that there are other cities and towns like very close to us. Um, but I would. love Love to hear Lori, especially and Rashi, working on a new project about missing middle housing. That's what you're here to talk about.
0: That's right. Thank you. Yes. So uh, Rashi and Rigel Robinson and Ben Bartlett and I are introducing an item called uh, missing middle, and really what we're asking our staff to do is to come back to us to. Uh, to really provide recommendations on allowing and fostering different types of housing throughout Berkeley. So, we're talking about duplexes, triplexes, uh, fourplexes, and really trying to figure out ways that we can provide more housing for individuals. Um, But also, we have a rich architectural heritage, and I know that can be a dirty (laughs) word, neighborhood character, but there are some amazing, uh, amazing examples right now in Berkeley of uh, bungalow courts and fourplexes that really have been outlawed out of existence, and that's uh, due to a variety of reasons. Um, I represent an area in Berkeley uh, that, in the 20th century, essentially... Uh, outlawed Chinese laundromats and African-American dance halls. So um, what we're what we have right now is zoning that is really a a vestige of the past. And we're seeing racial and economic stratification within our city. And what we're saying is, is we want to have a more equitable way in which to provide homes for as many people as possible. And in doing so, we'll be able to um, provide more homes to uh, low and middle income people as as well, so oftentimes there 's a conflation between missing middle, the form. This is where I'm getting wonky and I'll I'll stop here. No, in a second. I love
1: this it. because <laughs> when yeah, we say a missing a, yeah. middle, so, a lot of people will be like, oh, but how can you guarantee it'll be middle income and right. this is this confusion? So
0: that's exactly right. And and actually I love the the conflation between the uh, the, the the terms or the definitions because uh, if we have this type of form, it by definition and design, it allows for more uh, middle income folks to have access to housing because it will be cheaper than a single family home so um, in this way i 'm really excited that the two terms get confused because we 're really trying to create uh, homes for people who are desperately missing out on um, on having homes in the bay area.
3: Yeah, and you know, what I love about this item is it's simply allowing us to create the duplexes and triplexes and beautiful, like, there's like co-op housing. There's so much of that already in my district because I've... I've walked every street and knocked on every door. So I know that we have this housing that was created prior to the 70s and is now outlawed. So, you know, this study is just going to explore, you know, what would it look like to be able to give people the options to create this type of housing again. Um, you know, I think about gosh i like I got an email this week from a woman I know who lives in my district who basically she wants to be able to create an a d u in her backyard, but she doesn 't have like the right floor area ratio to be able to get one of us of a reasonable size and so if if she had the option of like turning her house into a duplex so that she could age in place and her adult kid who she wants to be able to live in the a d u could live next to her, you know that just creates so many more options for people that aren't available right now because it costs $1.2 million to get a home in Berkeley today.
2: Yeah, I mean, you bring up a really great point. Um, It always cracks me up how, like, the single-family home is just so much more expensive than anything you could get right now. But, like, it's the only, you know... We've also made it so that it's only legal to build really, really expensive apartment buildings. You know, like when you can only build 85-foot steel stuff because it's like the one tiny little bit of land, then yeah, that stuff's expensive. And I think we disregard that there are plenty of small builders who would love to help add one or two units, and it's not going to cost a bazillion dollars per unit.
0: Exactly, I mean that's what i've I've said over and over again. We know in Berkeley that there are people who are resistant to um, taller buildings in the downtown. Well, this is a great option for them. So if we can allow more of this missing middle housing, more of this subtle density that's already there, then we can we can really get somewhere. And as Rashi mentioned um, that the median price of a home now is one point two million dollars, which is a sixty five percent increase over the median sale price in 2013, so five years ago. Um, Similarly, Berkeley's median rent index is around $3,600 a month. That's a 54% increase. So we're seeing skyrocketing housing costs. We see every day on our streets homeless individuals, and this is a way that we can tackle this issue.
1: It's interesting because I hear a lot of people being like, well, why don't they build, you know, looking at sort of Paris style apartment buildings and like this kind of missing middle stuff. You'll hear from people who don't, who aren't wonks, like, well, why don't they build this stuff anymore? You know, like, what's the matter with these developers that they just build this big glassy stuff and they're not building this sort of like, you know, stuff that I establish as cute. And then you have this like conversations with someone where you're like, well, actually, you know. In the 70s and 80s we kind of made it illegal to build that stuff and so they don't build it anymore and they're like, what does that even mean? And I'm like, ah, and then you're down the like zoning rabbit hole. (laughs) 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 And you're like, you know, and I, I have had this conversation with so many people who, I mean, especially when you talk about it's illegal on paper and then the fees and and restrictions that we put on top of that so that even where it's legal to build, it's financially kind of impossible to build and then you end up with the only kind of p- development happening in a lot of these communities is somebody converting a small single family home into a large single family home because it's so cost prohibitive and illegal to build a fourplex. Mm-hmm. Um in San Francisco, we're sort of looking at maybe going the opposite direction, <laughs> where we have this uh, legislation being introduced that's "quote unquote" demolition controls. That's basically like that's no construction. Yes, Ber- no. Thanks, th-
2: thanks, thanks, Berkeley. <laughs> thanks, thanks Berkeley for, for exporting yeah, really him to us. That. Yes. Yeah, great. you
1: don't have to comment.
2: <laughs> thanks a lot.
1: Um, but I do see these as like an inverse, right? You guys are saying, okay, the problem is not the like redeveloping a single family home into a larger single family home. It's that it's illegal and difficult to build the missing middle housing that we say we want. So let's make a piece of legislation. Let's research how do we actually get, you know, two to six unit buildings being built.
0: Right. I mean, so there's there's that piece of it um, there, we also want to have homeowners be able to um, divide their existing homes into anywhere from two to four units. And I also have many examples of constituents who have said, my kid desperately wants to live in Berkeley and there's no place for for my kid. And I want to be able to, to convert my home into a duplex. So why why don't we allow that? And you also mentioned Paris. Well, the one thing that when people bring up Paris, they forget about the the geographic area of mm-hmm. Paris, right? So if we're talking about missing middle housing, it can't just be Berkeley. It needs to be all of the surrounding communities mm-hmm. as well. And then it would be comparable to mm-hmm. Paris. Mm-hmm. So we really are looking at our neighbors. And I know this is a conversation in, in Oakland happening now. I know that many people um, are talking about how do we incentivize this type of missing middle housing. so I think there's a will um, and and I know these conversations around uh, Casa have been have been fascinating um, but we we need to do all of the above really. I know I, th-
1: I really appreciate sometimes
0: elected officials who are totally not you
1: um, will say, oh, We shouldn't do anything because it's really the next door neighbor jurisdiction who's being the real bad actor. And so they use this kind of like, oh, the regionalism idea as an excuse for their jurisdiction not to do anything. Mm -hmm. And so I appreciate that you're using the regionalism to be like, we need to do something and we need to pull everybody else along too so that everybody's doing something.
2: And and maybe not build like a wall around the city. Yeah. Just just
1: maybe there was this guy in Cupertino who... that's a
2: bad idea, <laughs> officially.
3: So I just also want to put a plug in for, I think, this missing middle housing. It just sounds like a lot more fu- a fun, a more fun way to live. Because <laughs> like, yes! when I was knocking on doors, right. I mean, there are these like great, like these little, like, like you're saying, the bungalow courts or, like, the the triplex, I mean, you all of a sudden have built-in babysitters for your kids and a sense of community, and, like, there are co-ops, like, in District 1 where they're, like, growing vegetables together. I I won't get into, like, the zucchini stuff, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, so I also want to... And, you know, we'll we'll get to it like when we have a council meeting, but talk about how this is like a a really great way to foster community and to have different family sizes being able to live together or different generations being able to live together and to do it in a way that they can actually afford.
1: (laughs) I mean, there is this concept, you can't have diversity of people without having diversity of building type. And so you're not going to get all of the different socioeconomic, you're not going to get all of the different family styles, you're not going to get, you know, especially immigrant families that are more likely to have intergenerational households if you don't have a variety of styles of living from a one bedroom to a 10 bedroom.
2: Yeah, it's just there's something about that I think is that's it. You bring up an interesting point in all of Mission Housing's buildings, even though we call them family buildings, quote unquote, we have at least 20 percent of the units are one bedroom so that like literally people can age in place. And, you know, you have this hundred unit building where it starts off as all families. And then 10 years later, there's like seniors that are like, you know, this one person taking care of kids and they all grow up together. And, you know, it's just like beautiful thing that actually exists. And there's, like, proof that it exists, and it's frustrating sometimes that we have to, like, convince people <laughs> that it's a good thing.
0: Well, I mean, this is why I'm, I'm really hopeful about what's to come in Berkeley, because we have been the innovators in California. For We were one of the first cities to pass... Yeah, you know, same-sex domestic partnerships. Um, we pride ourselves on being a progressive city, and so I think this is a really good opportunity for us to lead. We can't look to neighboring cities to do it first, and so it reminds me of this morning. I was at um, I was at Black History Month school assembly where my son was performing, and one of the teachers said, "You know, we cannot rely on." black Americans to think that Black History Month is important. We need everyone else to think that it's important as well. And so similarly, in, in regards to this issue, again, I represent an area that had severe racial covenants. I don't feel I would be doing my duty as an elected official if I didn't address this um, this piece of our history and try to create more places for people to live so we can't we can't wait for our neighbors to do it we have to lead and Berkeley has really done that um, for many many decades so I'm I, I think that there's going to be a willingness on council to do this historically not so much on housing but I'm excited that you're going to
2: <laughs> also I- <laughs>
0: Yeah. that <laughs> is not that's uh, uh, not mean, true. as true I, mean, as,
2: okay. I just want to reiterate just, that you also it has
0: yeah. okay <laughs> well you know it has in Berkeley land use is has been controversial but you have to, have to also remember that uh, we passed an award-winning downtown plan um in 2010 so um we're still waiting that garage,
2: that garage sounds super awesome actually. thanks for that green AF <laughs>
0: But but I'm saying so. This is this is the disconnect. I I think not not only in Berkeley but in many areas. It's you know what what does it mean to be progressive?
1: Totally. Mm -hmm.
0: And and so and in many ways Berkeley is is so progressive. Land use is challenging for people to wrap their minds around because it is really wonky. Um, but I think in having these conversations and framing it around this really legitimate issue of social justice, which it is, it 100% is, then we can g- get people on board. I I randomly hijacked a, a, a woman at the coffee shop yesterday who started talking about um, development in Berkeley and, uh, and missing middle housing and... And I convinced her just through having a a conversation around um, our exclusionary past to write in to -hmm. to support this package. And I think once you frame the issues correctly, then people can get on board. I mean, I think the more we talk about – I think that the – Opponents of
1: housing have gotten a lot of mileage about focusing on the developer and the development and thinking about these things as like the the physical object and about like the person, the capitalist who's going to make money from the, the development. Because of and, all the 80s movies. Yeah. And the more Thanks we 80s. focus on the people who... Are, who are not getting the opportunity to live in the communities and the people who are being damaged by that chronic housing shortage and the human face of the families that want to be able to live in those communities, the more we think and talk and put those people first, you know, the more we're going to have a lot of success.
3: Yeah, and you know, I, this kind of reminds me. I don't fault people. Like, you know, during the campaign, I had a lot of cam- uh, conversations about housing. When people feel frustrated, you were talking earlier about, the, you know, the steel framed buildings that are, you know, go for thirty six hundred dollars a month. I think it is frustrating for people. You know, we and we can, I know we're going to talk about twenty one ninety Shattuck. Some of the discussion was these are going to be luxury, quote unquote, luxury units or market rate units, and there's a place for those but I think what's exciting about the missing middle housing is that it's not a you know greedy developer who's going to be doing a lot of this it's going to be uh, people who own a single family home who want to create more options for their own family and so you know so I think that's a really exciting piece of this and I know we're not talking about the North Berkeley Bart Station, but that's like we another can. whole thing. Oh yeah, we could definitely okay. oh, already yeah. so, you know. So that's another whole thing. It's in my district, and I'm I'm really proud to lead on getting housing at that site, but it's also at the same time really important for me to say we want a really high number of affordable units here, and we have an opportunity to do that with the Measure O affordable housing bond that Berkeley passed in November. Um, so, yeah, so I just want to say I, I, I understand that frustration that people have with the, you know, quote unquote luxury or market rate. And, and I think we – so we're trying to, you know, find all different kinds of housing that, that, um, that can fit people of different economic means.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because this process, we, we made it illegal to build missing middle. Then we made it really hard to get your permits. And we made it so that we were only building – You know, tall, expensive to build, difficult to build, and expensive through the permitting process to build. And then we got mad that the only developers are hyper professional who like go around and do a lot of like say the word community a lot and look like, you know, slicked back hair assholes. And you're like, well, you know, like you may have had a selection bias in this entire system for only getting those people, you know. It's kind of sad. There's um I was talking to a reporter who has a project near him uh being proposed in Daily City and he was complaining about how it was this amateur hour with the developer who doesn't know how to manage the conversation, is trying to build this like six unit project and you know, he's just bumbling around and like, you know, his papers are messy and he's not able to talk coherently about the project. And I was like, Well, Like, isn't that exactly the kind of moron we want building housing, right? He's like a non-professional who owns his own land and just wants to build a little six-unit apartment building. And he was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Like, I should be nicer to that
2: guy. Well, I mean, most towns, most cities have... Well, like, San Francisco has this thing called the RBA, the Residential Builders Association. And, mm-hmm. and they're, they're literally, like, a multi-generation organization made up of smaller developers that specializes in converting single-family homes to four units. And, you know, the narrative from a lot of our elected officials maybe one or two bloggers as they call themselves <laughs> is that even if the even if you legalize apartments I know even if you were to do that no one's going to want to build out there like they we've gotten to the point where they only think the, that the only developer is going to want to build these skyscrapers, and it's like flies in the face of reality.
1: Well, yeah. Why would you have a law preventing something that no one is going to do? Like, I look forward to you guys being like, "Oh, no one's going to build this housing, so let's get rid of our laws that make it illegal to build it, and then we can all just like watch it not get yeah. built." And like- yeah, it's like
2: okay, fine, fine. <laughs> if nobody wants to do it, then, then just let us legalize the goddamn thing and, you know, yeah. and move on. But, uh, um,
0: I mean, I, I think. One thing I, I I don't want to say is that upzoning alone uh, isn't going to cure our our issues in in terms of of uh, housing availability. When we agree and, with you officially.
2: <laughs> Twitter, the Yimbys <laughs> agree with that statement. I know
1: the weird- Thing I found is that like people are like saying to me like upzoning alone won't do anything, and then also complain about how we wonk out on like mm-hmm. being for like fifteen thousand different policies, mm-hmm. right? And we're like, I don't know the whole like upzoning alone thing. I don't know who is proposing upzoning alone, but that person sucks. Whoever that is, <laughs> I don't not, know who that not is. invited. But, like, not invited. <laughs> in the
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I think that uh, going back to your um, your comment around demonizing the developer, I mean, that's that's a very popular narrative. I, I mean, I just um, took off my top hat and, my, and chomped my cigar as I was walking Hold in those here. Grandma's so, home. you know, those public financing contribution, uh, contribution limits of fifty dollars. I must have raked in, I think, two hundred dollars from all the all the developers. Um, however.
1: Wait, can we just... Most (laughs) people don't know that, that the contribution limit per person in Berkeley is $50. Yeah. So I maxed out to Lori's campaign. I just want everyone to know that she shills for me. (laughs) Did you? I I
0: don't don't even... Uh, Where's my $50, I don't don't, even know. I I can look at my... Yeah. So I mean... uh, And I retweeted that others should do the same. (laughs) So I I think that um, I can honestly say that I... uh, this comes from my heart. You know, it's not. I'm not doing the. I'm not doing anyone's bidding. Um, I have no uh, alternative agenda other than to try to make it more affordable for um, people, not only in my community, but um, people who want to live in my community. I uh, again, I, I keep mentioning my my son's school, but these are the people that it's hitting the hardest. We were looking for a principal for his school just uh, we had a meeting last night and a teacher uh, raised her hand and said that she feels like she needs to move out of the Bay Area because she has been living in the area for decades and she can't afford to stay here Mm -hmm. she can't afford uh, she can't afford rent she can't afford to be a teacher and teach our children because of housing prices And because, uh, you know, we we can also talk about teacher salaries, but this is a really, a really big deal with a very human face on it.
3: And, you know, speaking of teachers, in my district, I didn't talk about this at the outset, we have a, a, a really serious homelessness problem. I represent the university underpass. It's technically Caltrans property, but... And I know you said upzoning alone is not the answer. You know, this alone, this missing middle is actually a very modest change. Um, It's not going to solve homelessness. But, you know, every night I go to sleep knowing that there are people sleeping outside in tents and makeshift shacks in 30 degree weather. And so we have a responsibility Mm -hmm. to open up these single family home zoned areas to try to get more housing and, and so we have to do these long-term strategies. We also have to do short-term immediate things to get social services to people.
1: Yeah, I think this. it is a pernicious... I, I think it is really awful, this concept that a lot of people use in local politics, but politics overall, to say, well, the thing that you're saying will help won't fix everything, so we shouldn't do it. <laughs> and you're like... Okay, do we just not want to solve problems? Like like the whole point of saying this policy proposal that I'm proposing makes this situation marginally better. Does it solve all of human misery? No, right? Like do we also have problems of like all of the other ways that incomes are income inequality is widening? Do we have all of the other problems of, you know, cars destroying the environment. We, like, no one policy proposal is going to solve all problems. And that's okay. That's just life. And doesn't mean that we shouldn't be making all of these incremental changes. And I also think that, like, you know, I've seen people be rude on Twitter, um, to mm. both of you, um, because you propose something that they feel wasn't dramatic enough. And, like, to some degree I understand that, but I also say, like, anybody who is doing anything good on any topic, please do not give them negative feedback. You know, like just yeah, be like, right. like right. that is my advice for like all anyway. of this. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, and it's, it's always the negative feedback doing good giver. on anything. Be like, yeah, that's yeah. great. I can't wait till you see you take this other next good step. Thank you for taking this first step. That is the only appropriate tweet. Okay. Like <laughs> okay. every other tweet is just obnoxious. Just like put it, down put your phone in your pocket
2: go get a coffee <laughs> I mean,
3: well, well thank goodness we don't really take those tweets seriously
2: oh you don't get rage you just don't rage every single time chance oh man uh, yeah I, I get mad
3: so and i think a lot of people have good intentions i always try to see the good in people um i think people don't realize actually the political blocking and tackling that we have to do every day uh, you know, and just it's hard, even at the local level, to to be out and proud on housing. Like it's not easy. <laughs> we're
1: we're trying to make it
3: easier. Yeah.
2: Also, well done on the sports ball reference. <laughs> ding ding for that.
1: I think we saw that very much in real life with the recent fuck of you hearing. Um, which...
2: That's (laughs) your title, not mine? Yes, yes. Full full disclosure, everyone. (laughs) Yindi retains the right to title. It
1: was excellent um, that a lot of Cal students came out uh, in support of a housing proposal that was, oh me, oh my, going to impede a bit of a view. And they had signs that just said, fuck a view, which was very um, fun and powerful and antagonizing to the people who liked the view. Um, But I think sent a sort of powerful message about prioritizing people over this view. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have thoughts on that?
0: Well, I I would agree with Rashi is that this is uh, we would not describe it as a a fuck of you hearing
4: because
0: (laughs) nuance nuance. No, no, uh, because actually the view issue had already been adjudicated. So what was in front of us was the actual project. But you're right in that students um, were mobilized against uh, some of the concerns they heard around the project uh, because you are having students living in cars, you're having um, dozens of students shacked up uh, in, I don't know, a one-bedroom apartment. Um, And so this is a really tangible issue for them. Um, So it's a big change as well because just in 2015, there was a similar uh, appeal, A uh, similar uh, view issue. Actually, no, it wasn't a similar view issue. In 2015, uh, people came out to oppose uh, the, a taller building in the downtown because they said it would block the view. It actually didn't block the view at all. The same people... Brought forward this most recent uh, <laughs> appeal, and and it's true, it, it it does block the view from a particular position uh, near awesome. the Camp Campanili. um and, and and you know people prize that view, and it doesn't mean that you're against views. I I I love views. You of like Arbea looking as well. at things, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I however, enjoy what gazing was... from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> But, and it's, and it's important. And, but what was in front of us was this actual project. And I think what the students were reacting to, um, was this idea that, um, a view from a particular area at the base of the Campanile and a certain angle, and I guess if you're at a certain height, um, that would be obscured, um, which is, which is true, uh, and they were saying that they wanted a place to live. And so that's, I think, what um, started those signs. I actually didn't see those signs. I just saw pictures of them.
1: Yeah, so this project at 2190 Shattuck, it's interesting to me because I understand this that you say the view was adjudicated. But like... Nothing is ever adjudicated, really. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this is the other thing is like people come out and say that there are, you know, they, they use whatever the procedural tool is and what is their underlying motivation kind of often has little to do with that. Right. There's the all of this shadows on park stuff. You know, that's legally what they are allowed to do in San Francisco to oppose some projects is say this is about the shadows on the parks. And so they'll get up there and make impassioned speeches about how children cannot play in shadows. But like, that's not why they're really there. You know, they're really there because they feel like whatever the proposal is, it's bad because it's near them and it'll be bad and it'll interfere with their ability to enjoy their neighborhood. And like, you know, I I do think that it's like when we talk about what are the underlying motivations in the hearing, um, we're talking about the real issues of what bring people out and, you know, People were there for a view, and other people were there because they want places to live, and they want a future in Berkeley, and they want the city to be able to be more welcoming for more human
2: beings. I really like that this got brought up because I feel like, especially when I when Mission Housing goes and tries to build affordable housing, maybe in neighborhoods that don't historically have it, or you know, if I'm advocating for it, like the, the term neighborhood character comes up a lot. You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we've like moved from it being like the actual humans and the characters in the neighborhood to being this like aesthetic quality that someone has decided is the minimum level or, you know, something that, and like views get, you know, views get used a lot like, you know, you're going to ruin the neighborhood character. This is I bought here for this specific view and, you know, it's it's just uh, – it's really heartening to see students especially, which have historically kind of been left aside when it comes to land use issues, um, you know, f- uh, for their transient ways, I guess. And uh, it, it's good to see them organizing because that's also organizing for a lot more people that will probably benefit from that than them, you know, with how long it will take to build it and whether or not they're still in Berkeley. So the unselfishness of it is something that I was really touched.
1: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. that whole concept of, like, we're doing something – you know they're they're protecting the history for the next generation okay the next generation is demanding housing right the next generation is desperate feels like you know stunted by the inability to live close to where there's opportunity feels like every opportunity is being stolen from them so like please stop protecting your view for the next generation (laughs) because like what i want is to be able to raise a family in this city
0: well you know i I really have to make sure that um a few different people get some shout outs Uh, alex wilford who's the president of uh of the student body at cal nuha Calfe, the external affairs vice president angie chen the local uh, affairs director for asuc and uh, Sarah A. They really mobilized students to come out and and support this project, uh, primarily because the market rate units are the only units that students can access for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, not I'm not I, I can't say that for all students, but uh, most students are are dependents, so they can't access those with a capital A, affordable housing units. So this is near and dear to their hearts. And you mentioned uh, neighborhood character. I I completely agree. Neighborhood character has to be made up of neighborhood characters. And so it's really challenging to try to define neighborhood character. I love neighborhood character. But how do you define mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Usually people are talking about um, architectural features or something aesthetic that's really hard to make objective. And so therefore people appeal based on, on it's, that a project is ruining neighborhood character. So um, I too... Love neighborhood character, but we just really need to wrap our heads around what is that. And I would argue that our Missy Middle uh, proposal mm-hmm. really is emphasizing. No, neighborhood character. Back in. That's dynamic.
3: <laughs> I just have to do a little bit of cheerleading for this twenty one ninety Shattuck project because it was it is on top of the nor- uh, the downtown BART station, so you're gonna have two hundred forty seven units of housing literally uh, steps away from BART. Which And, which and so I tried uh, the downtown Berkeley okay, BART, downtown Berkeley. Uh, Bart station. So I, when I was at that meeting, I tried to make the point that we have to approve, you know, speaking of regionalism, we have to approve infill projects in the inner Bay Area if we don't want to force developers to go out into undevelopable, undeveloped areas and, and push and people into really auto-dependent lifestyles. Yeah. Um so that was really important and I also have to say you know yes it was all market rate units but it was 10.1 million dollars yeah. to our affordable housing trust fund that will that will be leveraged yeah. I think it's like four times yeah. so that that's really 40 million dollars that's going to go for that's senior a housing that's, that's going to go for low income families and so saying yes to this project was the progressive right thing to do uh, the other thing is that There's a project labor agreement, and they're going to do local hire. So people from Berkeley High doing career technical education are going to get an opportunity to work on this project. So there were a a series of reasons why I was really proud to say yes to it.
1: Sam, do you want to insert your uh, demonizing of the fiat rant here?
2: I mean, I just think it's ridiculous. <laughs> so affordable housing developers use every dollar better than a market rate developer would if we forced that developer to build on site. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that $10 million could have been taken and put, in, put to the 2190 project. And we would have got about four times less units because, like, we take that dollar and we go get tax credits and blah, 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 and everything. But, like,
1: building on, building site, on site affordable is, is a little less efficient than feeing out and paying into right. things that go to subsidized affordable housing. It's not
2: less efficient for virtue signaling, it's less efficient <laughs> if you actually want to build more, as much, yeah. many affordable units as possible because people don't live in percentages, Laura.
1: Okay.
0: All right. And, Lori. One uh, last thing I'd like to say about this project that I really hope that people will understand is that we saw um, some incredible leadership by uh, Jesse Arreguin in approving ooh, this building, ooh. and I know that you all have have given <laughs> him uh, a lot of hell over the over the past couple of years. However, he has been really tremendous in the past few months on on housing in our city. So. He was the one that saw this across the finish line. No bones about it. And so um, we have to make sure that we can offer praise to our elected mm-hmm. officials when they do something right. Mm-hmm. And he has, been, he has really been um, a, a real advocate for housing in our community over the past few months. So I, I don't want this to go unnoticed because it's, it's, it's a change, and it's a change for the better.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm going to put my two cents in on that as well, because I I also appreciated his comments that night that he actually said he didn't support the original 2010 downtown plan that made it possible to have this 180-foot building um, where it's located. And I appreciate somebody acknowledging – I don't know if he said he made a mistake or an error – but to acknowledge that they had a shift and they recognize the importance of approving that project.
1: This is where I think it's really important for when we change minds and especially when we organize a voting block that gets people to think differently about who their constituents are. We have to make sure that we prioritize policy over partisanship and you cannot be mad about someone not agreeing with you two years ago. You have to be really happy that they're agreeing with you now. Um, You know, we Watched Supervisor Jane Kim on her way out uh, propose to get rid of parking minimums citywide. And she did it. She ushered that legislation across the finish line. And it was great to watch somebody who we've sparred with do a policy that we were really excited about. Um, and so I, I think that that's something that I want to make sure that like it's very easy to get really mad in land use and to like okay you can be mad but don't stay mad right you need to make sure that when an elected official does the right thing we're there to cheer
2: and yeah you know i think i think it's really important to also remember that yimby and organizing just organizing pro-housing movement you know it's it's this continuous slog of really slow progress over years years and years and years and you know, sure, a candidate might not be considered a Yimby candidate or, you know, a person that supports exactly what we want right away, but, like, we should also acknowledge the organizing that's done that, like, creates this critical mass parade wherein Mayor Arguin, you know, thank you very much, sir, you know, feels like that vote is, I mean, he's a politician, is in his political interests also. And I, I really, really believe that the Yimby's... Taking time to smell the roses is something that I don't believe any of us do enough. And, you know, someone likes Mayor erguine voting for that is some rose smelling. And, and I, I think it's important to point that out.
3: And not to dampen this positive feeling, <laughs> these positive feelings, I do also wonder, you know, to what extent is it organizing? And to what extent is it just things are so bad? Homeless numbers are going up. These rents have seen no sign of stabilizing, it seems. The home prices keep escalating. So, there are also sort of market forces or market conditions that are making it so that we can have this conversation about missing middle and approve a fully market rate project because we're desperate for the units.
1: You, I mean, so I totally disagree with you. Because okay. <laughs> I think, like, if San Francisco, <laughs> right, like we went further than you did, right? You know, our average home values are higher. Mm -hmm. Our rents are Mm -hmm. higher. We went further than you did without having that moment of insight. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. we, if, if that was true, that it was just the like fact that things are really bad, we would have. Wised up five years ago, mm. um, and I think it did take having a coherent political conversation yeah. oh, I about think it's it. Both. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, but but say <clears throat> I don't think problems are unignorable, right? Global warming, we've been ignoring it pretty good for a while. Um, like, I don't think that facts matter that much in politics. Mm. I think, like, unfortunately, like, it is sad. But I do think that the only thing that matters is a group of humans shouting the facts and and being like, we are a political engaged movement that is following what the elected officials are doing and sort of making it clear that the facts should be reflected in the policies that you're passing, it's especially yeah, no with doubt. land, yeah.
2: especially with land use. You know, like a politician gets elected by people who can vote for them, and when you are advocating for more people to come in and like change the, you know, who does and doesn't vote. Like the homeowners are the ones that can't have been able to and can vote. You know, so I think mm-hmm. that when you when you kind of talk about the landed gentry that we've created, you know, you have to have organizers speaking for the people who aren't here yet.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there's, I, I want to push back a little bit mm-hmm. on saying uh, it takes someone shouting facts. I don't think that's necessarily the case. No, I think no, you're, no. in my mind, you're, one of your most glorious moments in the sun was when you were advocating for ADUs, was it? And you said, where are we going to live, right? That's different than shouting facts. That is, that is telling your story. Mm-hmm. And if we have more stories of people who are struggling, that's where we can push the needle, right? So it's like, I can, I can no, spew that kind of, all yeah. day long. No, like no, eight two eight was the lead blocker <laughs> for allowing more housing to occur. And, and I will do that. I will say, Oh my gosh, the arena, our arena limits are going to be 50% yeah, g- yeah, yeah, g- yeah. G- greater <laughs> the next, but, but where we're going to get it is where are we going to live? Where's my son's teacher going to live? These are real issues, and I, and I and and that's where we're going to move the needle, and and so I don't think it's shouting facts. I don't know if it's necessarily like a product of <laughs> of mobilizing. It's a piece of it because people are telling a story, mm-hmm. and and that's where people are getting moved. So I, I don't know if you if if the mayor was doing it just out of political gain. I don't I don't I don't think so. I
2: think I, I think I think it's more. I didn't mean just out of political gain. I meant that the political gain he would have historically received from a no vote is no longer the only un, uh, the only the thing that he sees mm-hmm. you know that that's that's what i was trying that's to fair. get at and
1: mm-hmm. i think so you know i say shouting facts you're completely right to call me out on that cuz i don't believe it so <laughs> <laughs> right it's it is the human face it's the it's saying but i do think it is important that the person saying where am i going to live is making it clear that that they are following and tracking and engaged as a voter, right? You know, I think on one side you have the, like, putting the human face to the cost of not building housing. And then on the other hand, you have the political. And you do need both the, like, do it because it's right and also do it because it is going to be good for the electoral future. And I don't think you can do one without the other. I think you need to have both of those reasons because even Scott Weiner, you know, will say, um, you know, he at the gala or something. He had a great quote about how, you know, it used to be that you couldn't say that you were pro housing, that there was something wrong with you if you were pro housing. And, you know, we just felt like we couldn't say these things and we were under siege And to me, that's like, okay, now I know what I need to do, right? We need as, as organizers, we need to be out there building the runway, building the part of the conversation that makes it socially and politically acceptable so that elected officials feel like they can say what they need to say. And the only way you can do that is by getting people out there, telling their stories and making it clear that there are people who are going to cheer when someone says we need this housing, that there's... Going to be a group of humans who are going to say thank you for getting up there and representing me and what my family needs.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that was in, and I saw that shift right when I came into office at the, the beginning of 2015 when, um, when I reached out to Sonia and, uh, and people started to come to meetings mm-hmm. shortly there.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, Mayor Breed, I mean, I definitely teared up, you know, she like <laughs> literally said she was, you know, writing legislation that, that we'd helped draft. And you know, she says literally that we need more housing in every major important speech. And uh, you know that didn't just happen. You know that's 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 been building up for a really long time. And I guess mm-hmm. I liken that similar thing to what Mayor Green R. Green did. Mm-hmm.
1: I love it when the elected officials don't consult with us and they just come. <laughs> yeah. No, really, my favorite part about like what we've been doing recently is having elected officials come after they've had an idea for how we're, you know, for instance, your missile missing middle housing proposal is that you heard the constituencies, you heard what people were demanding and you came up with an idea of how to get there Without me needing to draft anything, you know, you guys went out there and tried to figure out how to solve the capital P problem because you, it was established in the discourse that we have a housing shortage, that we need different kinds of housing production, and you're out there trying to figure out how to solve that problem. It's like, makes me feel like it's all gonna be okay. Thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I do think that this change in the conversation does mean that, like, in other places in the region, um, the the break is is really is is sort of going the other way too. You know, Cupertino, where the mayor sharp gets up there and says that Cupertino, he's sort of half joking, should build a wall. I mean, and it really does put this kind of like stark relief of like he's not really joking that he thinks that Cupertino should not have to deal with everybody else and that the current residents of Cupertino are who he needs to protect from... I mean, it's, it's just a really interesting, like, mindset that is very explicit and that does show sort of where different cities and towns in the region are, are starting to go in different directions in relation mm-hmm. to the problem. Yeah, I
2: mean, right... I mean, was it Brisbane's mayor who said, like, we'll bring the jobs and San Francisco can build the housing? You know, like, the the the, the whole thing of... That it's, like we said earlier, that, you know, it's other people's problem. It's other people's fault. We're going down to Brisbane, to, you know, giving public comment for the Bay, Baylands last year, I heard a lot about how, well, San Francisco started this tech boom. And, you know, it's their fault. So why should we have to build the housing? And, you know, I think it's all starting to really tie in together that we all made this bed. All of us. and Like, we all have to work to, 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 to fix it.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's also been decades in the making, yeah, right? right? You know, you have Prop thirteen.
2: What's uh, that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, the one thing that we that we all also forget about when we think about the Bay Area is that people come from all over mm-hmm. because they want to live in the Bay Area. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about Virginia lately mm. and talking about, oh my, oh my gosh, I'm I'm surprised. I am not freaking surprised because I grew up in those places, mm. right? I came to the Bay Area for a reason, and that's because I'm you know, a queer person that wanted a place where I felt welcome. And so we need to do something about that. We need to ha- be a welcoming community. We need to make sure that we're not getting more and more homogenous, which, which has been happening, and we need to welcome people within our community. So I'm always really um, concerned when I hear statements around, building a wall even if it's joking or if somebody comes to speak about a particular project and they are asked where do you live live?" that that to me is is an affront uh because we pride ourselves on being a sanctuary city and welcoming people um but yet we we need to make sure that our land use policies reflect that
3: yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more. And I also think I think this is like a national problem now, where cities are don't want jobs, they don't want the next headquarters, right. and and it's sort of like um, it's just we've gotten into this weird sort of place where you know good paying jobs are mm-hmm. like something to be feared, and and I it, so I think we just have to create more housing and right. and and realize that like it's it's actually like. Um, a problem due to like a blessing of riches here in the Bay area. We have a you know beautiful climate, um, a lot of good paying jobs and, and a very tolerant community. And I, I think we ought to build more housing it, yeah. and not walls. Yeah, there's there's towns in
2: the Midwest that would love to have really good weather and too many jobs, you know, like I, I, I think that's something that we don't think about enough.
1: See, I actually, the Bay area is where it's worst. Right where we have the most opportunity and we have the most inability uh, to build the housing, but I hear from people, you know, because they reach out to us starting YIMBY clubs all across the country, and and I think we really need to be not thinking of this as a Bay Area problem. This is a city's mm-hmm. problem, and mm-hmm. and even a town's problem. Mm-hmm. The town where my family is sort of based, nobody who works in town can afford to live in town, mm-hmm. and that's like a town right in some random place in Maine. And and this is a problem across the country where incomes are not keeping up with housing costs. We're not building enough housing and we're not building it in town, right? I mean, Maine, this little town in Maine is probably not going to have a public bus system anytime soon. And yet they could bring down their carbon costs by building apartments downtown But they have basically made the entire place historic. Mm -hmm. And it's very beautiful and quaint. But like they're the only apartments are the historic apartments that they used to build. In history, we built apartments. And and now we don't allow apartments. And I'm just like, why don't we do the historic thing and build apartments? Um, because we used to have towns. You know, America used to have downtowns. And then we went down this car-centric sprawl concept that was so toxic for Uh, livability, really. That's that word that we throw around all the time. Um, But Utah has a housing problem. I mean, like, how is it that we're not thinking about this as, like, sort of an everywhere problem? Because it's not just the Bay Area that has this self-inflicted, ever-worsening wound.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mean, we certainly are seeing these problems sprout up in in a variety of places. I mean, we've heard about um, Seattle trying to confront... It's housing crisis, Minneapolis, other cities as well. Um, Using us as a cautionary tale. (laughs) Yeah,
4: right.
1: (laughs) Like maybe that's the only thing we give to the rest of the world is that we get to be like, yeah, don't do like us. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We'll say something inspiring so we can end on a high note.
2: You get. What, oh, you yeah, to yeah, that, that's what you're <laughs> gonna say. <laughs> yeah. that'd be, that'd be final, just... final thoughts. <laughs> final, final thoughts. Everybody gets a final thought. Well,
0: I just um, I, I want to thank you for having us here. And now that I know you're from Maine, I'm really mad you didn't bring us lobster rolls and whoopie pies. However, <laughs> um, you she's, know what? I... She's
2: from DC. That's where the oh corporate yeah 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 that's where the neoliberal corporate thing okay. comes from. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on your corporate chill podcast. <laughs> And I want to say that, um, you know, we're really excited to, to have this conversation in Berkeley. Um, it's the beginning of a conversation um, to sort of warm up people to this idea of, of allowing more people to, to live in our city and to create a type of housing that um, is already there. So I want to thank you for all of your work and all of your advocacy and hopefully the Bay Area is going to catch on here soon and we're going to really see a, a, even more of a movement to allow more missing middle homes. And um, I, I'm just really grateful for all that you've done because you, you have changed the conversation. There's a reason why I called you all up.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you.
0: Yeah,
3: and I, okay, so I have to withdraw my, my comments about like, oh,
1: it's just the market forces. No but you know,
2: <laughs> and you're right. There's a little no, bit of it.
1: I like it no, when no, politicians no. think <laughs> that reality matters. Like, that's good for society. <laughs> yeah.
3: um, uh, uh, well, I just um, I, I, I second Lori's comments uh, to practice my parliamentary procedure. And uh, I'm just happy to be here to just be another voice in supportive housing. You all have been these voices um doing the work for a really long time so i'm just honored to be in your presence thank you oh wow
2: yeah <laughs> wow. And, wow
0: and i will and i will thank say
2: you my head <laughs> needed <laughs> to get just a little bigger
0: well i will say that it's been really fun to see um to see this activism sprout up because, you know, I, I remember right when you came on the scene and all of this is via, you know, online. Right. And so I remember when you first the Twitter's started good for getting, something you're saying. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> when you, when you first got involved and, and really active. And so it's, it's so nice to see this, mm-hmm. this movement that's, that's happening yeah. that um, is really positively affecting people's lives. So, um, again, you know I just really want to reiterate that that this is something we 're doing to uh, to allow more people to live in our community. Um, we are motivated by equity and affordability, and, and that 's it
2: so if I could uh, my final thought well thanks for coming on it 's really great um, Shameless plug uh, on march twenty first mission housing 's having a groundbreaking party for one thousand nine hundred and fifty mission and we 'll then have two hundred and fifty New affordable family units under construction. So, like, I'm actually solving the crisis, not just talking about it. And that's my final thought.
1: Um, all right. Uh, on that note, <laughs> I want to thank, especially um, Lori and Rashi. It is, so, like, it's it's fun to, like, you know, have elected officials be like, oh, thank you for your activism. Um, it is unbelievably thrilling to see elected officials really Try to make this better, and it's like the only thing that is going to change this is um, is you guys doing this work that I know is really hard, and we're, we're going to work our asses off to make it easier for you to make sure that there are people cheering behind you. Um, but I know that it's it's really challenging as an elected official to decide to do something that is controversial that you know is right and. Thank you so much for doing that really hard work. Um, I hope that it's that more people get on board.
0: Well, well, thank you. I know I've, I have heard many, many people caution me, um, around this issue, uh, because I represent, um, an area predominantly filled with single family homes and, and I say, well, you know, if if people feel that strongly about it, um, and and they want to, and they, they aren't happy with me, then then so be it. But I feel like I'm I'm doing the right thing. So what I would like to encourage people to do is to email council at city of dot info uh, to support our missing middle item on February 26. So if you email any time from February 23rd through February 25th or even before then if you know you can do it now if you want um but it's really helpful especially mm-hmm. right before uh that time um that would be and
2: emails help you know that emails is, that out? is you being represented they even do. if it's not physically
0: right you know? and so we're go- we're gonna find out whether this is going to get uh kicked to a, a subcommittee because we have a new subcommittee structure in the city of Berkeley um or if it's going to be going directly to a council meeting on the 26th uh but we'll have that information on Monday so Thanks.
1: Awesome. Thank you guys so much. much. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to
1: Infill. This has been Laura and Sam and council members Rashi and Lori.